Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by Ben Online. We'll get to the details of Boise State and UCF, break down the quarterbacks and some of the funk and the keys to this game. Also, Carl Benson's going to join me, and we'll talk to the former commissioner about this expansion opportunity that the Big 12 seems to be taking on, and where does Boise State stack up in all of this kind of conversation? Well... Everybody that's headed down to Orlando for the game against Central Florida, I hope we get a chance to run into each other. I know the Boise State seating section uh, is typically filled. Let's hope that's the case again. I understand there's tremendous COVID challenges uh, coming out of Idaho and into Florida and COVID challenges in Florida. So those that can make it, I hope that I see you uh, up there in the stands and look forward to Getting this season started, enough about the talking. Uh, we'll be posting something after the game on Friday, so you can look for that as early on Friday morning as I can make it happen. The game, uh, maybe even late on Thursday night, just depends on everything ends. But remember, that game is a 5 o'clock Mountain, 7 o'clock Eastern. I'll be at the game, so be pretty late, uh, more than likely on a Friday morning. Let's get down to the, I think, what's the most important part of this game beyond the coaches is probably the quarterback situation. I have a big advantage for Central Florida here with Dylan Gabriel. He's a, he's a proven commodity, poised, and can really hit the deep ball. And he can get into the run game, the RPO game. Uh, but I expect Boise State to take away some of that deep ball without giving away where I think this game is headed. If I were to bet, I would say that Andy Avalos is going to make sure that the new offensive system and the transfers at the wide receiver position, which we'll get into, are all able to execute as many plays as possible. So I would play some deep corners. I would play deep safeties. I would not want them to get behind you. I would give them things in front of me and then hope that you're able to tackle. Uh, that's a lot to, to say, really, uh, early in the season like this when no team's really had a chance to practice much tackling. It's too risky in injuries. So I would believe that what will happen is Central Florida is going to have to nickel and dime it down the field. Uh, they don't have a dominant running back. Uh, they don't have somebody that we all know and can point to and say they can earn their own yards. If they get one-on-one on a corner somewhere, they can uh, take care of that person by themselves. So really, it's can Central Florida execute their new system taking it downfield with multiple plays? And number two, can they catch Boise State sleeping with some Malzahn trickeration the way that Coach Grimes did it at BYU last year? I thought he called a masterful game against Boise State and, and really, really damaged Boise State's defense. Now, when it comes to Malzahn, I think he's got an advantage here. Uh, it's his system. He's the play caller again, knows what he's doing. And in the past, Malzahn's been a run guy first, but the strength of this team is Gabriel at quarterback and his wide receiver set. So I see they're going to want to go downfield or at least throw it. 
Uh, what's the pass rush and blitz game going to be like from Spencer Danielson and Andy Avalos here? Well, if it's a lot of second and third and longs, then I think that Boise State, depending upon the score of the game, will start gambling quite a bit. Uh, they know they're going to need to get to Dylan and disrupt him and put him into scramble mode and see if those receivers can break the play that's been called and scramble and make something happen. There's really nobody to point to on Boise State's defense. <clears throat> that's the returning sack specialist headed off to the NFL. You know, Demetri Washington, Shane Irwin, Scott Matlock all be uh, counted on scale as well. Matlock and scale both, you know, in, interior defensive linemen. So I think Dylan Gabriel has a big advantage here. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer, you know, can he get rid of the ball without taking a big hit? How much progress has he made uh, in this new offensive system at getting into rhythm throws? And he's got some great help, though. You know, Shakir and Helani are tremendously talented. You know, how improved is the Central Florida D-line against what I think is a pretty good Boise State offensive line, at least in returning people? Now, that being said, you have to look back at last season and understand the struggles they had running the football, not only because they were missing Halani, but they really weren't blocking that great. Uh, so if Boise State can run it, everything else comes together. Uh, my instinct says the new game plan, though, is going to be a lot of up-tempo, and I think Boise State's going to try to throw it downfield. I think they're going to try to be a quick strike offense. I don't think they know that or think yet that they're built to just grind things out. If I look at the offense in the past couple of years, the counter and the zone read run game, I think it's let Boise State down too many times. Uh, how many times have we all said they're not running the ball well early in the season and it's tough and they've got to do it better and just just go back and remember that. They were last in the Mountain, rest, uh, Mountain West in rushing last season. Don't forget that. They were fifth the year before. Uh, I understand last year was totally different. So... If we end up in a game with, you know, two teams who can't run the ball, well, who's just going to hit more throws? You know, who's going to have enough time? And that, that'll be the key, you know. I, to me, Hank is a wait-and-see kid. Uh, sometimes that habit's very difficult to break, uh, not wanting to throw the football until somebody's open and you see them versus, you know, trusting that your receivers are going to be somewhere is, is not for everybody, and it's proven to be very difficult for Hank Bachmeyer, and, there, and there's really not many options uh, behind him right now. We'll get to the uh, other, I think, uh, attractive part of this game, the, just the funk of it all. But remember, it's time to start thinking football, college and pro, and winning money. And Bet Online's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action, odds, props, contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest. It's the world's largest 200 grand NFL survivor contest, and it's open now at Bet Online. Hit the website, use your mobile device, or sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus and take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th NFL opener between the Bucks and Cowboys, and if you lose, they'll refund your wager up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using this promo code. NFL 100. That's NFL 100. Bet online. Fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online. Your online sports book experts. We'll get to Carl Benson, his thoughts on the Big 12's expansion plans and how Boise State does or does not fit into that. But what about the funk in this game? Sort of the stuff that you can't put down on, on paper. Well, I like this matchup on an emotional level. 
This is very familiar ground uh, for Boise State to walk on. Enemy territory. Boise State favored to lose. The humidity and uh, sun of Florida. Will Boise State wilt in it in a nationally broadcast game? There's a fan base there who really looks down on Boise State. These kids read all that stuff. 12,000 Central Florida students at the game to be very loud and rowdy in each end zone. So if Boise State gets backed up, they're going to hear the noise there. It'll probably be forty to 45,000 at the game. I think everybody's hedging their bets on that because of COVID. Will that keep some people away? There's, It's an outdoors game. I don't think you have to wear a mask, and yet Florida's got all kinds of COVID challenges. But for Boise State, the underdog is back. And in the past, you know, that's what drove, I think, the entire football program. But here we have a new staff, new coordinators, um, against an experienced play caller in Malzahn, a Central Florida defensive coordinator who was the co-DC at Auburn, Travis Williams, last year. So he's familiar uh, with his head football coach. Uh, the, the staff continuity on some levels in Central Florida's favor, and primarily because of Malzahn and that he's playing, he's the play caller and he's the head coach. There, there are some other things that just along the lines of matchups are the areas that you should be concerned. Now, two areas, I should say. One unseen, one we'll all be able to see, but until we see who lines up on the Boise State and uh, we know who's going to line up on the Boise State line, but who's going to line up for Central Florida on the D-line and really show up other than Big Cat? Uh, who's going to show up on the Central Florida offensive line and, and take care of Boise State's D-line and blitz schemes? Got to see that in person, I think, how those five offensive linemen on both teams play together versus being too concerned about this player or that player along those lines. But can they communicate play early in the season with the, uh, with the pace of a, a game in front of them? So, so that's, to me, kind of the, the unknown. We'll, we'll see once we get there. But the wide receiver group from Central Florida, this is kind of a matchup that I think should have some folks concern. Boise State's got some different people to rotate in in the defensive back position and the cover corner and slot positions. There's a couple of playmakers at wide receiver. O'Keefe, one of them, coming back for Central Florida with a tremendous quarterback, one of the best in the country, really a – Really close to a Kellen Moore clone in a lot of ways if you haven't seen him. But Central Florida is adding three transfers from big-time programs, great recruits, all that stuff, but they didn't work out where they were. But if you're going to be isolating and concerned about the two returning wide receivers for Central Florida and you put yourself in one-on-one situations with these other three transfer kids, that could get dicey. So... The Boise State defensive backs, I think they can hold up for a while, but they're going to need D-line pressure uh, to hold these kids off. And Central Florida will go to the underneath stuff as, as long as they have to, and the Boise State will have to tackle well. So these are all, this is the matchup to me that I'm going to have to you know, be convinced of. Uh, in the past, you know, a lot of transfers haven't worked out at schools. I think that's been the norm. It's not the past anymore. There's a lot of kids transferring around that are working out quite well. So this could be a, a big concern for Boise State. But I like the attitude. I like that the chip is squarely back on their shoulder. They've read all the smack. They know Central Florida does not respect them. Everybody expects them to get the invite to the Big 12. A few people expect Boise State. 
So that part of the game, I see established. It's a five-point pick for a reason, and that's what concerns me about this. If this staff had been together and I had a chance to see this offense and how Hank's producing in it, that'd be different. But this is a big ask to say, oh, no, they'll come out and beat Central Florida. National television on the road against a team that is so hyped to play Boise State that you know they can't they can't uh, contain themselves. Uh, that's that's too big of an ask for me in this particular situation. Well, we'll see what Carl Benson thinks about the issue of expansion and what the Big Twelve is going to do and how Boise State fits into all of that. Coming up next, Carl, yes, let's I look at it. the possibilities of Big Twelve expansion. And before we get into whether they go to this school, that school, or the other school, Carl, or ten or twelve, let's just take you and put you in Bowlesby's seat and talk about what would be important and why would they want to expand and why wouldn't they just want to stay with the new Big 8? Well, I think the, the, that point right there of, of staying at 8, you know, I think it, it is a, a reasonable option. Uh, you know, the, the old Big 8 conference that included, you know, a, a majority of those eight schools, um, minus Baylor, Texas Tech, and uh, TCU in Virginia. I guess there's four of them that, that were members of the Big Eight for many, many, many years and operated as an eight-team league, even in the early days of, of the, uh, in the early days of the, uh, of the BCS, in the early days of the Alliance. And so I think that that is something that, that they have to consider. Uh, the, uh, the, the issue of television revenue or just revenues in general and dividing the pie by eight versus dividing it by 10 or 12 or 14. I'm sure that they're running, you know, they're running all those numbers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the, the one of the, the good things about the, the big 12 is that they've got a lot of schools that, that want to, you know, want to join, um, you know, despite what, you know, you know, what the American, wants to do you know i think that that it has been clear that that there are schools who who still would think that the big 12 as a member you know of the the ncaa autonomy five and the the cfp group of five or power five that there's value that the big 12 still has Mm -hmm. has name value and credibility credibility value that that uh that makes them attractive to you know, American schools, Mountain West schools. I'm sure that the same the same group of schools that lined up, you know, 10 deep back in 2016 or whenever it was, Jeff, those yeah. same schools, those same schools have been, you know, lining up here in the last two weeks. So if they, if they were to only expand by a few or don't, not expand at all, Carl, they could, if they stayed at eight, they'd have to schedule five non-conference games, each one of them. Of course, if they bumped it up to 10, then it gets a little bit better, right? In terms of how many they'd have to, to schedule only a couple. Uh, if you get it to, to 12, it, it gets even potentially probably staying at that number, right? There's a point where three seems to be a manageable non-conference number. Maybe in the case of the big 12, they go to four, but with the Alliance now, Carl, do you, do you think this muddies the water in who they're going to be able to schedule? The sec almost seems off limits. And this new alliance may make it more difficult to get non-conference games. It, do you think that's realistic? And how has that changed things? 
I, I think that is that is real, and that uh, uh, one of the of the benefits of of going to ten teams or twelve teams is that you know it it creates you know one or two more conference games. It guarantees a home you know a home game you know in there, uh, and it you know it, it takes the pressure of having to go out and find you know those non-conference opponents and. You know, I think that the if the trend is by the alliance and the trend by the the SEC is by increasing the number of of games played against each other versus the group of five or you know FCS. And if the trend is is going to you know to you know how many games can you play against each other, then you know this would you know this would allow the you know the Big Twelve to to kind of maintain that trend and not be put at a disadvantage when it comes to the playoff, whether it's a four team or if it ends up going to the 12 team playoffs. So I think, you know, regular season, regular season scheduling, uh, I think will, you know, will indeed be more um, among the, the, the group, the, you know, the club, the, the elite club of, sure. of those five conferences. And, you know, there'll be an occasional, you know, Boise State will be a, an attractive team. San Diego State will be an attractive team. Obviously, the American teams, you know, and if the assumption is that that the American loses some of their more attractive, they still have a couple more. So, um, you know, I think I think the Big 12 is, you know, is that uh, they're in a good position in terms of options and and choices. So by Looking at their situation, we identify they're going to go to at least two or four more schools. And you start saying, okay, we got all this money coming in from Texas and Oklahoma, Carl, because we're going to stay and they're going to stay or we'll let them buy themselves out perhaps. But we're going to get as much of their money as we can through 25. Our deal with ESPN and Fox needs to be renegotiated. Are there consultants or people in between that can tell them Hey, you add this school, that school, the other school. Here's what we think it's worth. Is is that how they they figure it out? Because they can't just put their finger to the wind. No, they they actually have. There are consultants that have the, you know the, the analysis and you know what and you know and, and BYU is a is a is a good example. Uh, mm-hmm. People already know how much ESPN values BYU um, in terms of an independent. Uh, so there's a you know there's a starting point that. That if they were to take BYU, BYU already has an established value of, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight million dollars, and so Which they know nothing, that, right? that. Yeah, I mean that's it's that's a. That's not a lot a pretty, of dough. No, it isn't. It's a pretty small number, and and has been. So, I don't know if that, you know, if that increases. I, I think that the you know again the, the value of the games the, that if they were just hypothetically if they were to take. BYU and all of a sudden BYU now is playing, you know, the eight uh, Big 12 teams. All yeah. eight of those games, all eight of those games, you know, would would seem to be, you know, valuable, marketable games that, uh, you know, that ESPN would would look at or some other, you know, Fox could look at and and determine what kind of what the price per game uh, value might even be, Jeff. Wow. Well, it's not that encouraging for, for Boise State. We're looking at another four or five million, maybe, you know, and that's not a lot of money to, to those networks. They can make that back quite easily versus 
what each school would take away from the Big 12. Uh, but when we start looking now specifically at schools, Carl, it, it's got to be we're going to expand. Let's just suggest we're in the Big 12 shoes. We're going to expand because we got to solidify our non-conference games. That's way too many. We need to start building up some of these partnerships. And, and, and you look at these schools that are available. You have to have a list of priorities, don't you? Like, what's the most important thing to us? And as a former conference commissioner, what would you guess is on that list? Because TV households is maybe older thinking, Carl. It's more about streams and your IP address off your computer. It's not as much about just potential in households. It isn't. And yet there's still, I think there's still value in, in a collective group of, of members. And again, all the, all the writing and all the chatter and all the discussion that, you know, that the big 12, obviously they can't replace Oklahoma and Texas that, that, that it's impossible unless they were to go out and get Notre Dame. And, you know, and we know that that isn't going to happen. So, you know, at the, at the very beginning, they know that they took a big hit as much as 50% is what's being reported. How much of that can they get back by adding Central Florida, BYU or Cincinnati or Houston or Boise State? And, and I think that they can, you know, they can, they can have consultants that can tell them pretty clear that, that you add these four schools and you're going to add 15% of it back or 20% of it back. And then it's just a simple you know, calculation there is, is that worth it? Is that worth it on the, on the financial piece? But then we go back into, as we've talked before about what are the other benefits? Um, you know, there's some, there's some scheduling benefits that, that are there. If this conference, assuming that West Virginia stays in the conference, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, and, and they're on an Island out there. How do they create, you know, a, a, some scheduling um, models for their other sports, their men's and women's basketball, their volleyball, some of their team sports. And, and that's where do you go to 12 so you can create some divisions and to create some, some better scheduling models that reduce the travel um, and not necessarily the cost of travel, but at a time when, you know, I think when student athlete, you know, welfare, health and welfare is a possibility is, is a concern you know, how, how many days away from campus mm-hmm. from an academic standpoint and can two divisions. And I was always a proponent of, you know, of, of two divisions. If you have a big footprint, if your footprint is big, they would, that a, and they would be a big, a big footprint. Yes. Then can you create two divisions that kind of mitigates that, you know, that oversized footprint? Well, I looked at this footprint, Carl, let's just say for sake of argument that, you're looking at Cincinnati and Central Florida and Houston and BYU coming in the West. So those four schools into the Big 12. And I looked at, okay, now Cincinnati and West Virginia make some sense. You'd have to put Central Florida uh, in the eastern part of the Big 12. <laughs> you may punish Houston. Say, all right, you're coming in late. You're going to have to stay in the east as well. That would be four. And then the scramble would start of the existing schools that are really – when you look at it, the Big 12's got a nice eye formation in the middle of our country. Yeah. And, you know, do, do they take Iowa State and send them over there, you know, and 
and, and which one of the Texas schools, you know, how, how would you do that? That, that becomes a little complicated, but I would think from a balancing geography perspective, Cincinnati fits in well with West Virginia, the distance Carl between Provo and central Florida is almost the same as California and Hawaii. So no, that, that's yeah. brutal. And then, and in Miami, I mean, central Florida to, you know, to Ames, Iowa, uh, and Morgan, Morgantown to Morgantown to Provo. I mean, that's, those are their, you know, the four schools on the, on the four corners, so to speak, you know, would be, would be central Florida and, and West Virginia and Ames to the North and, you know, BYU to the, to the, you know, to the West. So yeah. it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a footprint that, that, um, you know, that is a, is an easy one to navigate in yeah. terms of, Football is, you know, we've said this many, many times. It doesn't make any difference about football. Right. You get on an airplane and, you know, and, yeah. and, and there'll be some bus, there'll be some bus trips there, you know, yeah. between, you know, Lubbock and, and Waco. And if you throw in Houston. Um, sure. Baylor you know, and TCU, and, easy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But, uh, but once you get out of, once you get out of the state of Texas, you know, then, you know, then everybody's jumping on an airplane. But, uh, but it's, you know, there's, there's, there's concern about what does, conference membership and the footprint due to some of these other sports yeah what and what about I, carl like yeah. back to, to football for a second and and uh, this is a controversial piece for some but can you identify the motivations for for tech texas tech and baylor and tcu to want houston to come in is it because of their law school med school research one status you know is that really important to them i mean the recruiting territory they can already tap um, or are they fighting it? And it's the other five that are saying, look guys, they're the, you know, the PAC 12 loves them. We should too. How does that work? Yeah. And it's uh, you know, there's always been this resistance within a, a region or, or more specifically within a state of diluting a, a particular state or diluting a, a recruiting uh, area uh, or, or there's just there's just academic you know arrogance that exists that you know the University of Houston has grown significantly academically and and they've added you know uh, academic credibility and academics you know status just like Boise State has yeah. I mean we we go back go back in time to the to the WAC when when I was trying to fill out you know the WAC after you know I was left with eight schools and the first two schools that I brought to the presidents and chancellors of this eight-team whack is I recommended that we added Nevada and Boise State. This was 1999, Jeff. And and I they they both made their presentations. And I came back into the room and they said, you know, we're unanimous in adding Nevada. It's got a law school, it's a land grant. We think it would be a great, you know, great addition to the to the whack. But you know, your alma mater just doesn't cut it academically. <laughs> and they again, tell this you was that? My, absolutely, your alma mater, Carl. Yeah, my, they they were very they were, they made it very clear that uh, <laughs> you know that my alma mater was not going to you know make the cut line and and uh, so the first go around, Boise State doesn't get the invite. Six months later, TCU leaves the that you know that whack group at that time, sure. and we need another we need another school. And second go around, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they take Boise State. But um, so there's always, you know, there's some history in terms of the University of Houston, you know, in the state of Texas that, 
it is longstanding. But I, I don't I don't know. Again, you know, there's conferences when they're desperate, and and I I don't mean to say that that the Big Twelve is in a desperate situation because they could stay at eight. Sure. So so they do have some they do have some choices, but when conferences are desperate, schools tend to look a little bit better than they did before a crisis or before desperation set, you know, sets in. Um, so Houston, I think is kind of in that. Do we really need Houston? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, is there somebody, is there somebody else that, that Boise you know, State? what if it's Boise teams? State or Houston? What if it's Boise? What, what are yeah. the negatives and positives in 21 and beyond for a Boise State, Carl? Why aren't they in this conversation really for people who know people close to the situation, their names not coming up much. Yeah, good. I think that's a really good question. And whether or not it's, you know, has, has Boise State lost some of that luster in the last, you know, two or three or four years for whatever reasons. Um, and and that they're, they're not, you know, they're not, you know, uh, automatically on that, that, that top rung like they may have been five years ago. Has Houston gotten better? Has Cincinnati gotten better? Has University of Central Florida gotten better? They may not have gotten any better, but they sure have gotten a lot more publicity than than Boise State has gotten in the last five years. And you know, so do they do they just look better and, and sound better than than Boise State? Um, you know, at, at one time there they they just didn't have there there wasn't that competition that Boise State was the dominant you know group of five. And you know, and I, you and I've talked about this before. You know, Mike Oresco has done a great job of promoting, you know, his conference and his teams, you know, in a, you know, on the national stage and they've, and they've backed it up. So maybe they've, they've gotten out promoted. Plus they have not won or gotten into now New Year's day, six bowl game since 14. Uh, right. You could argue they're still ahead of Houston and because Boise state's won championships, Houston's won one, I think. Uh, Central Florida, you could say, has done as well or better. Cincinnati, in the last three or four years, as well or better. BYU, enough said. I think everybody knows they're they're the hundred pound, nine hundred pound gorilla in the room, and they're, they're they've got a lot of things going for them. But but how so, many times how many times has BYU been passed over? Numerous, numerous, numerous times. Right. And again, there's there's there there are reasons, and there are you know academic reasons, there are cultural reasons, there are you know, social issue reasons. And, you know, I think that, you know, the bag, whatever baggage BYU has had in the past, it's not as if it's, it's gone away. It, again, it's, it's whether or not the powers to be in the remaining big 12 are at a point where they want to overlook some of those, you know, some of those warts. So well, those warts for Boise state, Carl, back to them. I mean, okay. They don't have the shine. The buzz, the PR, the the little engine that could because they've blown some games. You know, the, the Washington game, they lost to San Jose. They didn't go to a bowl game. They got lightning striked out of a Boston College game. We, you know, they got blown out to Oklahoma State. Yeah, they had a win against Florida State. You know, they got blown out by BYU. These are recent events that I think have changed that. What else is there? It's a it's not a big TV market. We know that. You know what? But, but I don't think that's important uh, today. I think that, that, again, how does ESPN value um, 
you know, Boise State versus Cincinnati versus Houston versus Central they Florida. They like them. They want to pay them yeah. more than the rest right. of Mountain West, but not, right. maybe not so more than the AAC. Right. So if, you know, again, if not to create the, you know, the conspiracy and the collusion, you know, you know, the Big 12 off the record, you know, asks ESPN, which of these schools, you know, do you think we ought to take? And, and again, that's delicate. You know, sure. that's, de- that's a delicate question. Yeah, right, down the right. Road, yeah. I mean, what do they say? What does ESPN say today? You know, five years ago, five years ago, they may have said Boise State is still the the glamour and the glitz and the glamour, and it's still turning, you know, it's still turning TVs on, and it's still delivering, uh, you know, advertising revenue that uh, that the others. Yeah, you know, and they want them where they are, Carl. I mean, think of the Mountain West without them. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN may be going, well, do we really need them over here in the Big 12 with, with those schools? Maybe not. They're not going to push the dial that much. But without them in the Mountain West, those those that, that uh, West Coast market that likes to watch those Boise State football games that are late, that San Diego, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., right. that corridor, which is so important to ESPN – I think they know Boise State's a great late night act, and and that that's important to them. And but where the, for where they put them, perhaps. But uh, what about? Well, the, and remember, the, you know, remember too, in terms of that, the Boise State value. Boise State, you know, was the was the Friday night franchise, right? For ESPN during that that era, during that yeah. period of time, and I mean they, that's where Boise State got its. We can say that January 1, 2007 in, yeah. in Glendale, yeah. you know, was the launching pad. But it was that period after the Oklahoma win when Boise State really became a, a weekly you know, piece of ESPN programming. And, you know, and they, you know, that's good point. That has disappeared. That's a good point. Yeah. And maybe they move them back there. Lastly, Let's just say it is the, the, the configuration we mentioned with, with BYU coming in in the West and then the rest of them, Houston, uh, Central Florida, and Cincinnati. So that's the new Big 12. Three of those teams come from the AAC, Carl. Uh, Mike Oresco wanted to make them a power six. That would really hurt his cause. Does this create the next domino? Does he start airlifting teams out of the Sun Belt or Conference USA? What's his move? Well, good, good question, and and one that uh, that you know, he's trying not to to have to to face that, but you know, at some point in time, reality sets in, and and is as the the momentum you know gains on this Big Twelve, adding four schools, and of which three would you know name whatever three they may be are coming out of the American. Uh, it does put, uh, you know, Mike in a in a position to, okay, what's next? What's next for the American? And I, he'll have options. I mean, there will be schools lined up from Conference USA, from the Mid American, from the Sun Belt that uh, you know that will um, you know will will want and gladly make the move to the American, probably just for the same reason that. The American schools are going to view the Big Twelve. The American right now is 
you know, is, is clearly above the others. But I think one of the one of the important pieces here, again, it's again, it's all speculative right now. You know, if you know, if Houston is one of them, um, you know, the American has just moved it, you know, moved their offices to, to Texas, you know, and it's now a Texas based conference. Um, right. And, you know, how do they um, SMU you know, how do they here. move forward? Yeah. Well, SMU and SMU and, you know, is, is still part of that and, and would be, and you still have the, the Tulsa's and the and Memphis in the, you know, in the West, but uh, it definitely impacts their, we talk about footprints. It definitely would impact their, you know, their footprint. Well, Carl, we got, who knows a lot of time to, to figure this all out, or maybe they make a quick move at this point. Nobody probably knows, but, 2025 is when those contracts are up and the big yep. Texas Oklahoma payments uh, come in. It's always good. Thanks. Thanks for coming aboard okay. and giving us some more X's and O's, Carl. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks once again to Carl Benson for joining us here on the kingdom of pod. Very good conversation really about the future of where some of these conferences are, are going to end up What a complicated uh, situation for sure for Boise State. Hey, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to pro basketball in Spain pretty soon. He's been taking a new product. He owes all the credit to Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. And I can tell you that for me, like playing tennis, you know, I'm getting older and older. I need better recovery. I need smarter nutrition. And I need this Balance 7 help. So, I can see how Balance 7 has helped Odom and me. So he looked good this celebrity boxing match I saw online with Aaron Carter. So head to Balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. Balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. I did it. If it worked for him, me, it can work for you too. I'll talk to you again after Boise State and Central Florida. I'll be at the game in Orlando. Hope to see some of you. Should be a big, eventful, newsworthy day, no matter what the outcome. All kinds of things at stake. The point spread now, it seems, is up to five and a half for Central Florida against Boise State. A familiar role for Boise State to have that underdog status. Look forward to having that conversation with you. Look for it Friday morning. Subscribe, review, pass it along. The Kingdom of Pod. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.